On August 28, 2013, a young man named Bryce Lespisa left Sierra College, where he was attending as a sophomore. Bryce was heading to his parents' home in Laguna Niguel, which should have only taken a few hours. He had just gone through a breakup and had told his mother that he had a lot to talk to her about. Just after 2 o'clock a.m. on August 30, 2013, he called his mother to tell her that he was pulling off Interstate 5 in the Sierra Polona Mountains to rest. This would be the last time anyone would see or hear from Bryce Lispisa. I'm Ashton, and welcome to The Haunted Corner. everyone. Welcome back to The Haunted Corner. This week, I have a missing persons case to discuss with you. And this one is super wild and really sad. This is the disappearance of Bryce Lespisa. And at the top, if you have any information about Bryce or where he could be, please call 949-292-4400 or call the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office at 323 890-5500. Let's get into it. Bryce Lespisa was born in Illinois on April 30th, 1994 to parents Mike and Karen Lespisa. He grew up in Naperville and graduated from Naperville High School in 2012. After he graduated from high school, the family relocated to Laguna Niguel, California, and that fall he started at Sierra College. Bryce was a really good student. He was on the dean's list. He was very creative and artistic, loved photography. He was studying industrial and graphic design and had lots of friends. He had a typical home life and was really close with his family. He was described as really kind and loving by his friends and family. And he seemed like an all-around normal, fun kid. From all reports, his freshman year of college went really smoothly. He met his roommate, Sean Dixon, and the two became really close friends. And he also met a girl named Kim, and the two began dating. During the summer between his freshman and sophomore year at Sierra College, Bryce spent time at home with his parents and everything seemed normal. His parents claimed that they didn't notice anything out of the ordinary with Bryce which, to be fair, if something was wrong, it's possible he just didn't want to share it with them. But according to them, everything was good. Bryce was looking forward to going back to school. He had gotten a campus apartment with his roommate, Sean, for their sophomore year, and everything seemed to be looking up. But within the first two weeks of the school year, both Kim and Sean began to notice really distinct changes in Bryce's behavior and his personality. Kim said that Bryce told her he was taking Vyvanse, 
which is a drug that's usually prescribed for treating ADHD. It's a pretty serious drug and can cause dependency issues when it's misused. His roommate, Sean, also said that Bryce began to drink a lot. Every day. A lot. And one night, he stayed up all night drinking. Which is like, he's a college kid, but come on. Like, that was not normal for Bryce, according to his friends. Something seemed to have quickly changed with Bryce. But what was it? On August 26, 2013, Bryce attended his courses, and he spoke to his mom, Karen, on the phone. She claimed they had a good conversation, and he seemed to be doing fine. But the next day, out of the blue, Bryce's girlfriend, Kim, received a text message from him saying that she would be better off without him. Now, this is always a concerning statement to hear, or read in this case. And she asked him, point blank, are you breaking up with me? And he said, yes, that he was. So just like that, he broke up with his girlfriend of over a year via text message. Kim actually went over to Bryce's apartment at that point to talk about the breakup and hopefully smooth things over, which they ultimately did. But Kim couldn't help but notice that Bryce was still behaving really strangely. On August 28th, Sean called Bryce's mom, Karen, telling him that he was concerned about Bryce's behavior. Bryce had given him his Xbox as well as a pair of diamond earrings that were belonging to the family. And he sent him a text message that said, quote, I love you, bro. Seriously, you are the best person I've ever met. You saved my soul, end quote. Later that day, Bryce went over to Kim's apartment to discuss their relationship and to end their relationship once again. And Kim was really concerned about Bryce at this point. Bryce then called his mom, and Kim told Karen that she was really worried about Bryce because he's still acting really strangely. Kim tried to take Bryce's keys away from him because she was convinced that he shouldn't be driving in the condition that he was in. Bryce got on the phone with his parents and insisted that he was fine and that he wanted to go home. He made it seem like Kim was upset about the breakup and was holding on to his keys because of that, when really she was genuinely concerned about Bryce and didn't want him to get behind the wheel in that state. So Karen asks Bryce on the phone, like, are you okay? What's going on? Why don't I fly up there tomorrow and we can get to the bottom of things? And Bryce told her, no, don't make any flight plans until we've talked. I have a lot to talk to you about. That's what he told her. So Karen was like, okay. She asked him to give Bryce his keys back and he left her apartment at 11.30 p.m. Which sucks, honestly, because the what-ifs will come into play here. What if Kim and Sean were both right? Something was going on with Bryce. The two people who were closest to Bryce at that time were both very concerned about his well-being, and they voiced these concerns and were both seemingly kind of dismissed by the parents. I'm not judging his parents, because who knows what I would do in this situation, 
but a lot of people do. <laughs> and, you know, this whole event flipped their worlds upside down. And I'm sure if they could go back and do things differently, they would. It just sucks all around. So Bryce leaves Kim's apartment at 11.30 p.m. And it should take him about 90 minutes to drive back to his apartment, which is where everyone assumed he would be going when he left. But Karen gets a call from Bryce around 1 o'clock a.m. She assumed he was back at his apartment by that point, but he wasn't. And according to phone records, he was located about an hour south of Rockland, which is the opposite direction of where his apartment was. So that was really strange. Then 11 a.m. on August 29th, so the next morning, Karen received a notification from their car insurance company that Bryce had used roadside assistance. They couldn't get a hold of him, so Karen called his roommate, Sean, to ask if he was okay after finding about, out about the roadside assistance. And he's like, I don't, what are you talking about, Bryce? didn't come home last night. So Karen and Mike, Bryce's parents, were able to see on their bank account that there was a $20 charge in Buttonwillow, California, which was not super far from their house. So this led the parents to believe that maybe he was on his way to their house. Mike called the business that was listed with the charge on the bank account, and the business was Castro Tire and Truck. And the owner of this company was a man named Christian. When Mike called, Christian answered, and he told him that he had delivered three gallons of gas to a man who had run out of gas on the side of the road around 9 o'clock that morning. At first, when he arrived, Christian couldn't see him. He couldn't see anyone at the car. He couldn't see Bryce. He didn't see anyone there. And then he went to leave, and Bryce immediately called him back, to get the gas and said he was sleeping at the time. Which is like, okay, that's weird. So Christian, while talking to Mike on the phone, offers to go back to the spot where he had left Bryce to see if he was still there or what was going on. So Christian went back to the spot where he had dropped the gas off and Bryce was still sitting there in his car in the same spot as he was three hours earlier when Christian had given him the gas. So Christian, like, walks up to the car. And he's like, hey, man, your parents are really worried about you. What's, what's going on? And he then called Karen and Mike to let him know that he was still there. Bryce got on the phone with his parents, and they asked him, what was up? Like, hello, are you okay? He said he was fine, so they told him to go get gas and to come to their house. It was only a couple-hour drive, and he would be there by 3 p.m. if he left then. Bryce filled up the car and left. 3 o'clock p.m. came and went. Bryce stopped answering his phone, and he never showed up to his parents' house like he had agreed to. 4 o'clock comes to pass, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock finally hits and there's no sign of Bryce and Karen and Mike are panicking at this point. Things were already weird enough. Something was clearly wrong, but now they had no contact with him once again. 
they called Orange County Sheriff's Department and filled out a missing persons report for Bryce. The Sheriff's Department was able to get access to ping his phone's location, and they found him. Only eight miles from where he was last seen by Christian, where he got gas. So in nine hours, he got gas and moved eight miles. At 9.33 p.m., officers found him in his car at a hotel. When they approached him, he told them that he was on his way to visit a friend. They gave him a field sobriety test, which he passed, and the officers claimed that he showed no signs of impairment. He was talkative, answering all of their questions, and was very friendly. They asked him if they could search his car, and he let them, and they found nothing. When they told him his family was really worried about him, he told them that he was just blowing off some steam. And when they told him to call his mother, he really didn't want to. He was really hesitant to call his mother. So the officers then dialed for him, and Bryce spoke to Karen. He said he was just going to go hang with some friends later. Which is like, no, no, you're not. What do you, that's not what the plan was. What's happening? You know, if I'm Karen, I would have already been there. But especially at this point, have the officers like hold on to him or keep an eye on him until she can get there. I just don't understand why they're, why they just didn't go get him. And I think that's where a lot of the scrutiny comes in for the parents. It's just like, why didn't you just go get him? What? Why? You're so close to him. It's just a couple-hour drive. You could have been there and back already. I don't understand. And in this case, like, something is wrong here. Something is so wrong, but no one's taking it as seriously as it is. It just, ugh, I hate this. So the police found nothing to keep him on. They told Karen he was fine to drive, and they let him go. And Bryce said he would go home. Shocker. Hours later. He still wasn't home. So what did Karen and Mike do? They call the real hero of this story. They call Christian, the guy who gave him gas earlier, and he agreed to go check on Bryce again. So Christian went to the last location where the police had seen him, and guess what? Bryce was still there. So for the last 13 hours, he's just been doing nothing, it seems. So Christian had Bryce follow him to the highway in order to ensure that he got on the highway to go home, and he did. So Bryce was set to arrive home around 3.25 a.m. He spoke to his parents along the way, and they asked for landmarks to confirm that he was actually on his way home. But the landmarks Bryce was giving were super vague. And then, at 2.09 a.m., Bryce called Karen and told her that he was really tired and he was going to pull off the I-5 and get some rest before continuing on. She agreed that this would probably be the best plan, which this is not the best plan. This is the worst plan for somebody who's been on the road for as long as he has and is in the state that he's in, this is not the best idea. Just get him home. Go get him. And this is the last time 
anyone heard from Bryceless Visa. The next morning, the doorbell rang at the Liz Visa home, and it was a California Highway Patrol officer. He asked Karen and Mike if they owned a 2003 Toyota Highlander. They said yes, and that their son drove it. The officer told them that around 5.30 that morning, a construction worker found the car near Castaic Lake at the bottom of a 25-foot embankment, abandoned with the keys still in the ignition. The vehicle was overturned on the side of Main Ramp Road, about 100 feet from Lake Hughes Road, with the rear windshield broken out and some drops of Bryce's blood found inside. All of Bryce's belongings were in or nearby the car, including his phone, wallet, and laptop. And his duffel bag was open and on the ground nearby the car. There was also evidence based on the tire tracks that he had accelerated before driving down the embankment. But Bryce was nowhere to be found. So the search for Bryce immediately began. At the time of his disappearance, he was 19 years old. He was 5'11 and around 170 pounds. Bryce had bright red hair and blue eyes. He has a tattoo of a Taurus bullhead and his birthday in Roman numerals on his upper left arm. When he went missing, he was wearing a blue and white checkered shirt, white cargo shorts, and size 12 red and white Nike shoes. Authorities called in different departments to assist with the search. There were volunteers who came in to search as well. Officers brought in dogs to search and a dive team. The Castaic Lake was searched for several days, but nothing was found. The ground search focused on Government Cove near the main boat launch on the upper side of the lake. This is the area that the canines picked up Bryce's scent which they then tracked across a bridge to a nearby truck stop where the trail went cold. So what happened to Bryce? Nothing was found. No sightings of him, no evidence, no body, nothing. Did he want to disappear? Did he want to end his own life? Did the Vivance cause him to have a psychotic break? The behavior he was exhibiting would point towards that theory. But why did he have the duffel bag with him? When he left initially, he was just going to go to Kim's house to break up with her and then go back home. So what was with the duffel bag? The duffel bag was sitting on the ground, open, as if something was taken out of it or someone was looking through it. So what happened? Was Bryce injured in the accident and walked away? Did he get a head injury and is now living somewhere unknown? Did he just leave to start over? What was it that he wanted to talk with about with his mom? There are so many questions that are still unanswered. On September 4th, 2013, a jogger reported seeing a brush fire near Castaic Lake. And while firefighters were responding to this fire, they found the charred remains of a body. The remains were eventually ruled out to be Bryce's, and without a body, authorities really didn't have a, anything to go off of. But they also couldn't close the case either, and were left with nothing but speculation at this point. 
Some people believe that Bryce is still alive, possibly living as an unhoused person or living an entirely new life altogether. But many people believe that Bryce is no longer with us and his remains just haven't been found yet. Karen and Mike Lispisa continue to look for their son, posting missing persons flyers and family members keep the Find Bryce Lispisa Facebook page active as time passes. It's coming up on the 10th anniversary of his disappearance, and I hope that one day this mystery is solved for Bryce and for his friends and family. If you have any information about the disappearance of Bryce Lispisa, please call 949-292-4400 or call the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office at 323-890-5500. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear what you think happened to Bryce Lispisa, so let me know on our social media accounts, or you can email me at thehauntedcorner at gmail.com. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and also on YouTube with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head on over to Patreon. You'll have access to the exclusive Patreon-only episodes, early and ad-free access to episodes, plus so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash thehauntedcorner to join now. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Bye.